Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Pastor of Ministry Mobilization, Guy Smith. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Jesus didn't need to be baptized, right? We are baptized because we are sinful, we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, and then we identify we are, we are baptized because of our salvation. But Jesus didn't need to be saved, right? He's God. In Hebrews 4, 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one in every aspect, respect, has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So Jesus did not need to be baptized. So why was he baptized? I think there's a couple reasons why Jesus was baptized. I think, number one, to be example to his followers, to show the people that they needed to be baptized. To say, listen, I don't need to be, but I'm going to do that. Right? We do that sometimes with a failure. We're, we show them how to do something. We're an example to them. The second one is to identify with his believers. So as believers could be identified with him, he identified with his believers. To show them to be an example and to identify with his believers. Another one is to be a symbol of his death, burial, and resurrection. That's why I think one of the major reasons I think why he was Baptized as a symbol from his death, burial, and resurrection. In Romans 3 and 4, it's Romans 6, 3 and 4, it says this. Do you, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God, we too might walk in newness of life. So when we do our baptism... We baptize, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. To symbolize the life that Jesus, was. he died, buried, and resurrected, we do the same. We die with Jesus. And we'll be raised in, in newness of life and in the life to come. So we identify with him. And I think the other one was maybe just to start his ministry off right. Jesus was baptized to start his ministry off right. Right, look at verse 15. It says, but Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for it is thus fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. It had to be done to start off on the right foot, if you will. How about you? Have you, have you been baptized after you believed? I believe the Bible teaches in many places where it says you believe, then you're baptized. I was christened, if you will, baptized as, a, as an infant, but that was, not what, that was not my choice. I was um, confirmed when I was 15 or 16. That was really not my choice, even though I went, but my mom and dad sent me. It was not my choice. It wasn't until later that I came to a, a faith of knowledge of Jesus Christ, and that was my choice that God put in my heart. So what about you? Have you been baptized? Have you started off your ministry? Have you started off your Christian life right? Maybe it's been years. You're like, oh, I'd be really embarrassed if I got baptized now. That's okay. There's no, no condemnation. Maybe that's just a start you need to make in your life. If you would, um, if you have your place and you want to turn to Acts chapter 8. There's a guy named Philip. He was one of the first uh, deacons. There's a guy named Philip, and it's really cool. So Philip does this, this whole thing. He's, he sees the, the Holy Spirit pricks his heart to go talk to this, this guy, this, uh, this Ethiopian eunuch. So he goes over there, and he goes up to the chariot, 
Um, anyway, start with verse 29. I don't remember why it's 35. So we can start with 29, though. It says, The Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him, talking about the Ethiopian eunuch, reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he, the eunuch said, How can I understand unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before his shear, he was silent. He opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch, verse 34, the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask, does this prophet say this about himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scriptures, he told him the good news about Jesus. You see that? He opened his mouth. Some of us, when we're talking about, some, some of us, when we're witnessing, we need to open our mouths. That's just an aside. Verse 36, and then they were going along the road, and they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see here is water, what prevents me from being baptized? And some other versions add, and Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, "Replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, and Philip and the eunuch, he baptized him. It's an important thing. It, it, baptism does not save you. Baptism helps you get started on the right foot, gets you started in Ephesians 4, 22 and 24, it says, To put off the old self which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through, all, th- through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, creating the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Have you started off your Christian life the right way? Which I think is in baptism. In baptism by immersion. So number one, we have to identify with Jesus. And number two, to, be, to start off our Christian life right, we need to be guided by the Spirit. Look at verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. Behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove. And in verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus Christ, who is God, you would think, I would think, doesn't need to be guided by the Spirit because he's God incarnate. But I believe this is here for us to say we need to be guided by the Holy Spirit in all that we do, not just on Sunday mornings, not just when we read our Bible, not just when we teach the Bible, but when we go down Dorchester Road. Joe hit me hard the other day when he talked about loving and if you're, not, if you're beeping and ugly and mean toward people on the road, and you're beeping and you're swerving and you don't love them, I'm thinking, that wasn't nice of him to do that on Christmas. But it's true, right? You need, we need to be guided by the Spirit. And maybe we need, I need to be guided by the Spirit more, especially when things like that happen. But to be guided by the Spirit, we need to know and need to listen and hear what the Spirit says. We need to hear the Spirit. We can't just be so busy about our life that we don't hear the Spirit. In John 10, 
first four verses, Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door by the shepherd of the sheep, to him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep and leads them out. And when he has brought them out on his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Do you know the voice of the Spirit? Do you know when it's God talking to you and not the burrito you had last night or too much dessert you had last night? Do you know it's God? In John 16, 12, and 15, it says, but I have, Jesus again, but still, I have still many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. The spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare to you. All the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said, he will take what is mine and declare to you. This Holy Spirit speaks the truth. And he only speaks what he hears from God. Well, so how do you get to know God's voice? How do you listen? How do you get to know God's voice better, if you will? And I've said this before in here. I'm going to say it again. This is one of my favorite things about learning Scripture, about the best way to do it. And I learned, and you've heard us talk about it, about soaping through Scripture. So I'm going to just tell you what it is again because it's awesome, and it changed how I do my personal Bible study, and it is fantastic for me to how to learn to hear God. So soaping through Scripture came from a gentleman named Wayne Cordero. He's a pastor in Hawaii. And it's very easy. So soaping, so you're reading through your scripture. First, you have to have a scripture reading plan. It's a good time to get one for next year. Next year starts next week, right? So it's good to start now thinking about it. Um, so as you're reading through, let's, let's just say you're reading through this, this section of, uh, of scriptures, Matthew chapter 3. And you read through Matthew chapter 3. And as you're reading through it, you're asking the Holy Spirit to kind of speak to you, kind of give you something that you can maybe think about that day. And as you're going through that, and maybe you go to these verses where the Holy Spirit descends on like a dove, and behold, a voice in verse 17 comes from heaven and says, this is my, my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And you kind of go, okay, what does that mean? So you write that scripture out in your journal. This is a great way to journal. So you kind of write that out. You're going, okay, I'm writing those verses down. Then you observe, right? S-O, so the scripture, you write that out. The O is observe. You kind of observe about those verses. You go, Okay, I'm looking at this verses, and it looks like God the Father's there. Looks like God the Son is there. And, and Jesus is and the Holy Spirit, all three. So this people say, though the Trinity is not in the Bible. The word is not, but these three people are together. That is the Trinity right there. And you kind of go, that's really cool, because you never saw that before, because the kind of Holy Spirit. So you kind of write that out, you observe that, and then you apply. What does that mean to your life? How do you apply knowledge of God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, work it in through your life. You kind of write that and you write a prayer. It's real simple, but that, when you start doing things like that, you start reading your Bible, start maybe um, journaling out, then you can listen to God. So that when, when you're doing something, you go, you, God, God's voice kind of goes, maybe you shouldn't be here. Or maybe you need to go talk to that person. Maybe you need to, whatever, maybe you just need to get close. Maybe you just need to stop what you're doing and pray for somebody. 
But one of the biggest things I've also learned in the last couple years is when I pray, when someone goes, hey, will you pray for me? Just pray right then. Instead of going, yeah, I'll pray for you, which you will if you don't forget. Listening to God. Listening to God. So a couple of things we need to, one, we need to identify ourselves with Jesus to start out right. We need to be guided by the Holy Spirit. And number three is we need to be pleasing to God the Father. Look at verse 17. I know we just read that. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. I don't know about you, but when I grew up, I did not grow up in a Christian household, but I did want to please my father. As broken as he was and as different, I'll say, as he was, I still wanted to please him. How much more should it be with our Heavenly Father that we want to please him in all that we do, all that we say, where we live, work, and play on a daily basis? It's hard, right? It's hard. It's hard to get up in the morning and go, God, I just want to please you. But there's some verses in, second, in uh, Hebrews 6, Hebrews eleven six. 6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Faith in God pleases God. Faith in Jesus. Faith in what God has told you. Faith in reading his word pleases God the Father. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 10 says this, So we are always of good courage, for we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, there's that faith again, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim, Paul says, to please him. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may, be, may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Our, if our aim is to please God, we're not going to be perfect. But I guarantee if we, our aim is to please our Heavenly Father, we will do better. I know in my life when I sit down, I really think about it, I try, I, I act more like Jesus. Colossians 1, 9 through 14 says, so, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of him. Let's just look at that in verse 10. It says, so as to walk in in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Then go down to verse 11. Being strengthened by all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. I love that God has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. I'm just going to stop right there because to me, that's one of the most awesome, is awesomest the word, kids, is awesomest the word? Awesomest, thank you for that. I love, God the Father, he has, he has delivered us, his sons and daughters, 
from the domain of darkness and transfers to the kingdom of his beloved son. Can I get an amen? Is there someone? Is that exciting that you go from the kingdom of darkness? Because of Jesus Christ, we go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his son. That's the incarnation. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. One of the reasons he came to deliver us from darkness into light. And if we think about that, we can be pleasing to him because of what he's done for us. And he didn't do it because we're lovable. Well, maybe all are lovable. But he did it while we were still sinners. He sent his son at the right time. At the right time. So we need to identify ourselves with Jesus. We need to be guided by the Holy Spirit. We need to be pleasing to God the Father. And this last one is not actually in this text but it's everywhere, in the, it's, it's all throughout the text, the, the four books of the gospel and Acts. It's give the gift of Jesus away. Now, my first thought was, I was going to put it to the point, be re-gift Jesus. But that didn't sound good. Because we don't re-gift stuff we like. Right? A friend of mine told me a story, so I'm going to pass it on to you here. Um, I've never had a problem with re-gifting I don't think, but he told me, he tells a story of a, and I'm probably going to get it wrong, but the, the just is there, and it's just as interesting. So he went to a Christmas party and got this ornament, which wasn't as lovely as he would like it to have been, maybe, that's a good way to put it. So he had this ornament that he had, and he's like, great ornament, this is beautiful, very excited, right? So then he says, hey, I've got a Christmas party at work. We're going, to do, we're going to take this and give it to the work people, right? That will be great. They'll not know. He wraps it up, takes it to the workplace, and someone opens it. And what he forgot was the person, this, one of the same people that were at his church group was at his work group. Caught regifting. So don't get caught regifting. That's just a PSA for you guys. But so I can't, I can't name it regifting Jesus because we don't regift Jesus. We give the gift of Jesus away. We give it away. And there's five places, and I know in your notes it doesn't have these, but I'm going to read them out anyway. Because I want to, because I want you all to hear this. I want you to hear the four writers of the gospel, and then in Acts, I want you to hear that they say we're supposed to give our faith away. We're supposed to give the gift of Jesus away. And when I, I, I may not be the brightest person, but I hear it five, four or five times, I'm thinking, it must be important to Jesus. It must be important, right? So Matthew 28, 18 and 19, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. In Mark 16, 15, Jesus said this, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And in Luke 24, starting verse 45, Then he, Jesus, opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be 
be, be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. John 20, 21, Jesus said to them, peace, I, peace be with you as my Father has sent me, so I am sending you. In Acts 1, 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we're supposed to go. We're supposed to tell. And that telling's different for everybody. I've seen people that go can walk right to somebody and start talking about Jesus. I've got other people that say, you know what? I'm just gonna share, I'm just gonna share Jesus with my good by being really good. That's good, but you need to open your mouth. You need to say why. And that's different from each person. You know, maybe it's maybe, hey, you tell somebody what, what you, this is what I'm reading in my Bible. This is what I heard in the sermon. This is what I've been praying about. Hey, how can I pray for you? Just things like that, things that just kind of maybe not, not overtly because people can't do that sometimes, but it's just something that says, I got Jesus living in me, and I want you to know, right? We have Jesus. We want, should want other people to know. So if I have this present, right, I got this present here. I come up to somebody and I say, listen, I've got, the, I've got the best gift ever. This is, I mean, literally Jesus is the best gift ever. And I say, I got this gift for you. And they say, okay, what's in it? You say, well, it'll change your life. It'll change how you speak. It'll change how you work. It'll change everything about you. Some people are going to go, that's what I need. Some people go, I need that, Jesus. I need that change. My life is whatever. I need that change. Some people are going to go, I don't know. I'm doing okay. Maybe I'll listen a little bit more. Maybe I'll even go to church and see about this. Maybe I'll just try this Jesus thing with you. But they're not ready to commit. And there'll be people that you talk to about Jesus, and they'll go, yeah, I don't want your gift. My life is good. I don't want to change. I'm good. I'm, I'm happy. I, I make a lot of money. My wife's good. My, my husband's good. Whatever. All, everything's fine. We go vacation. All these things are good. But you know, our job is not to force, some, force a gift on somebody. That's not our job. The Bible says we're just supposed to tell. We're just supposed to tell people. And be there when they need us to talk about Jesus. So three, three words I'm going to just use to kind of sum this whole thing up is know, grow, and go. Knowing Jesus as your personal Savior, if you've done that, that's awesome. And we need to, if, you, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you've asked him into your life, you need to grow. We need to be grown as a Christian. Whether we're growing in our baptism because you've never been baptized as, as a believer whether we're growing as we're learning how to read the Bible, whether we grow as knowing how to, how to be generous with our money and with our time, whether we want to grow and know how to, maybe I go, we don't want to know how to tell people how to be, to know about Jesus. I want to know how to answer people with the Bible. I want to know how to do that. That's growing. And we got to go. There's a lost and dying world out there outside of these four walls. 
and I feel it's getting darker by the day. I read a statistic about church um, attendance. It wasn't about Christians, just church attendance over the last 100 years. And it went down, I'm going to quote this wrong, it was like 70% back in early 2000, early 1900s. And it's down to under like 40% of Americans attend church. And obviously we know being a church does not save you. But being church on a consistent basis, learning and growing, is an indication that you're a Christian, that you want to know who Jesus is. So as we take this December 26th and we package it up, we kind of go, what do we do now? We know. We grow. And we go. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your son. We are grateful for who you are. We're thankful for the present that you sent so long ago. I don't know how to describe the the gratefulness I have in my heart for that little baby that came and that Mary and Joseph took care of for so many years as their own, how Joseph took care of that baby as his own, not knowing that he was the son of God, knowing Mary knowing that this was her child that she birthed, but that she needed saving and salvation through him. And that years later, he would be abused. He would be beaten. He would be killed in the most gruesome way possible. And he would do that for the love that he had for us. The love that he had for people that didn't even like him. But he would do it for us. So my prayer now is for December 26th on through 2022 is, Father, help us to know you more. Help us to grow in you daily, weekly, monthly. Help us just to want, help us to desire to grow. So that we can know you better. We can know how to live. Lord, help us to go. Lord, give us those opportunities to speak your truth, your spirit's truth into other people. And Father, if it's your will that we get to be part of a salvation process for somebody, that's fine, that's wonderful, amen. But if not, help us not to be deterred and to share your light. Let us be light in such a way that people see us and give you all the glory. So we love you. So help us now as we go. Help us now as we take you with us everywhere where we live, work, and play. It's in your name we pray. Amen.